Hi, I'm Bill Gaither, and welcome to More Than the Music, a podcast where you can join me for conversations with some of the most interesting people I know. Each episode features a special guest who has inspired me in some way during my 50 years in the music industry. You'll meet incredible artists, writers, and comedians, sports figures, and other folks I'm grateful to call my friends. Join me now for this week's episode of More Than the Music. It's going to be good. You know, I've done a lot of different things in my time. Uh, I taught school for a little bit, wrote a couple songs, and and sang with some great great singers. But one of uh, one of the things I'm having the most uh, fun in doing these days is this podcast. When they asked me to do, I said, "What is this all about?" And they said, "Just talk to your friends, because you got a lot of friends from a lot of different places." And uh, I don't think I have a better friend than the person not, that we're going to talk to today, Larry Gatlin. How you doing, my friend? Hey, baby boy, how you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm good. I. Uh... I'm honored to be counted among your friends. You know how I feel about you uh, and Miss Gloria, and uh, grateful for friends, grateful for friendship. Nothing like it. Boy, as you grow older, uh, that special list of things that are important to you come down to a very few things, and friends, obviously, are at the top of it. It's true. I have... Uh, the list of things about which I no longer care or about which I care very little <laughs> is getting bigger. <laughs> you know, yeah, I know. Uh, I, I'm rooting for everybody. Yeah. Uh, I really am. I wrote a song said, I pray that someday we'll all love one another. If that day ever comes, Lord, it would thrill me. In the meantime, I love everybody who don't want to kill me. It's pretty simple. I love everybody that ain't trying to hurt me. Uh, but I want to take more time, Bill. You know, uh, we go out usually for on the road. We don't go do those 8, 10, 12, 15, you know, yeah. day tours anymore. We yeah. go for two or three days. Yep. I've decided that as much as I love people, uh, I don't want to have any more sliced turkey and cheese and pickles and mustard and chips yeah. in the backstage dressing room. Yeah. If I never see another deli tray, it'll be too too soon. <laughs> I want to see that same stuff at home around our kitchen table with Janice yeah. and my family. So it's not that I don't want to do it. It's just I want to do it less. Yeah. And uh, I think I'll enjoy it a lot more. We're doing about 70 days a year. We're very blessed, greatly blessed, and highly favored. Highly favored. That's a good song we made up, isn't it? Really, you know, Jay Cass one time said, "You know, when the lights start burning brighter on the stage than they burn at home, you're in trouble, my friend." <laughs> oh, I love that. Is that a great line? I do love that. Yeah, that's a great line. Well, Stephen Stephen Stills said something. He said, uh, "You pay me to travel. Yeah. I sing for free." Yep. So that's, that's true. That's true. You, you take me to, yeah. you pay me to take a guitar yeah. and, and load it in a car and mm -hmm. unload it down there at the Southwest uh, 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 part. Uh, what am I trying to say? Outside check, curbside check. I couldn't think of the word. Sure, sure. That's what you paid me for to check into another hotel. Yeah. I sing those songs for free yeah. and uh, to the glory of God. And 
you know, make a little mailbox money. That ain't a bad thing either. <laughs> you know, I've often thought if somebody wants to invent something for singing groups or for people who want to perform, it'd be great to have a great big crane for me. It'd be in Indiana and pick up our bus and all of our equipment and then land us in uh, Norway. We have so many friends in Norway and in Ireland and in Great Britain and in Germany and in Europe and Africa. Wouldn't it be great to have a big crane that just simply just picks up all your entourage and you wouldn't have to worry about all of that airport, hotel stuff, and all of a sudden you are there at, at the venue, at the building where you're singing, and you got your own dressing room in your own bus. I mean, now that big, and 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 that underlines what you're saying. We well, we, uh, we'd sing for nothing at that point if you just if you could just get us there. <laughs> well, I think you're either a little over caffeinated or you haven't taken your meds. <laughs> uh, uh, a big crane. Let me think about that. I was going to say, well, they call them airplanes. You know, you can do this. This this may be a solution. Or partial, you can actually those big old ships. Uh, a friend of mine wanted to take a bus over yeah. there, yeah, and uh, just put it in the bottom of that ship. Put it in the ship in the hole of that ship. Yeah, bring it over there. You'll have your own stuff. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, the for England, you're going to have to put the steering wheel on the other side. <laughs> but other than a few little things like that, I, I think it works. We could we could have some fun. Larry, when I was thinking about doing this today, I, I, I said, you know, you can talk to Larry about anything. You know, the good thing about Larry Gatlin and Bill Gaither is they could talk for an hour on any subject, or we could talk for an hour with no subject. <laughs> That's right. That's called being ADD. <laughs> but, I thought, <laughs> but I thought we would zero in on what makes a writer... And I'm not trying to get too academic here, but something has to fuel what you're doing. If you love to play football and you've had your experience being the quarterback, when I read that you were a quarterback, I said, why not? I mean, of course Larry has to have control of the game. You know? Well, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. play, you play, Only if you want to win. I mean, you have to have some gas to make you want to uh, play game uh, a game for a certain amount of time, or for teaching, there's got to be some kind of motivation, or for working, or, or you know, I talk to so many good doctors who who honestly say I'd do it for nothing because they care about trying to make people well, but for the songwriter, yeah. it's it's uh, it's it's the same thing. It's the same thing. You've got to write whether nobody hears the song at all. I mean, there's, some, Absolutely. there's something in your gut that you say, I have got to get this out, and I hope it blesses somebody else. I hope somebody else listens to it. But whether, whether they do or not, I've got to say this. I've, you know, I've got to say it. And I've been with you long enough to know that starts your fire pretty quickly. Well, you know, I I don't mean to to bring up something, but I will. Uh, you and Glory very uh, very graciously. I was very honored and humbled by the fact that you wonderful children of God and great writers for whom I had the utmost respect that you came to the little uh, induction ceremony for the Hall a of couple Fame months ago. Hall of Fame for the Hall of Fame, and I I tried to in that little acceptance speech. You know, the deal in the beginning was the word. 
And the Word was God and was with God and quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And and that my mother and father said had that preacher uh, speak the Word over me in that little Pentecostal church to dedicate me when I was just five or six days old. And when I was old enough, they read me the Word. And I fell in love with the words from those early days. If you told me that my homework was to go read a book, you know, it was like throw me in that briar patch. That's what I love. And I love it to this day. I have, I probably have 15 or 20 books going all at once. It's hard for me to read one all the way through because I get, uh, <clears throat> I want to know what's happening in that other one over there, you know. Yeah. So I, I love that. And for me, I, I had a very friend and a great, great songwriter, Hall of Fame songwriter. He complimented my songs one night on the Opry. That's before I was in the Hall of Fame. And he said, he said, Larry Gatlin, you know, it was very complimentary. And after the video, I, I said, after the show, I said, I really appreciate that. I said, it kind of takes the sting off of me. Uh, you know, I'd love to be in the country music. I, I mean, in the, well, that one too, but the songwriter Hall of Fame. He said, you mean you're not in that? Yeah. I said, no. He said, well, you will be. I said, well, if you, if you and I write a song together, maybe that'll help. He said, oh, I don't write anymore. I've retired. And before I could stop it, out of my mouth came, where did you go to turn in your heart? <laughs> you know, and when I said it, I thought, oh, that's That's, that's pretty right. good, Larry. Well, <laughs> well, he loved it. And he laughed. He said, well, it's just like you. It, it, Bill, I, I'm like you in that I don't have a lot of filter between my brain and my mouth. Yeah. Uh, I think in rhymes, they they go through my uh, my uh, mind and ear and heart continually, continuously. When somebody says something to me, the last word of their sentence, it's already rhyming in my head. Uh, and so it's a blessing and a curse, but much more of a blessing for which I'm grateful. The morning has to be worth the midnight, right, Bill? <laughs> you know, that was... Uh, when you and I get together, and, and this is one of the joys of this podcast, because they they tell me they'd kind of like to know what makes us all tick, and uh, and we can get together on on any kind of occasion, and somebody says something, or and uh, and I forget how this particular one came up, but we were talking about midnights can be tough. And, uh, well, it was your idea. I'll tell you exactly how it happened. I, I'll be, I'll be uh, uh, the uh, Boswell to your Johnson. Mm-hmm. To, 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 uh, what was his name? Samuel Johnson. Yes, Samuel. You know, and Boswell yeah. uh, wrote everything down. You, you and the guys were overdubbing some stuff uh, for the for your new project, yeah. and I was there, and I was listening, and I was loving it, and I, I kind of. Uh, kick back on the couch, said, Bill, while y'all are doing that, I might let y'all sing me sleep. I may take a little five-minute nap. Uh-huh. I said, I didn't sleep much last night. I said, the midnight miseries got me again. Yeah. Midnight miseries being those songs that go through my head. And yeah. you said, yeah, life is a matter of making the mornings worth the midnight. <laughs> you said that. That wasn't mine. That was yours. I, I mean, yeah. what I said prompted it, but that's how yeah. we've worked back and forth uh, for so long. And we're going to keep doing it, just feeding people stuff, the lines or the thoughts or the melodies. You know, the That's what we do. You know, the beautiful thing, uh, uh, Gloria and I have been at that uh, Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame uh, two or three times. Mm-hmm. And uh, and sometimes when you come away 
from like a an award show for artists. I always feel a little bit bad in those settings because somebody wins and somebody loses. And there's a little bit more of a show-busy kind of a feeling with the artist. And, I, and I'm not putting down artists. But every time I am a, that I'm around songwriters and that particular group of songwriters, they all worship at the shrine of a great song. They don't care who wrote it. And it's not a matter of winning or losing. Every time somebody accepts an award, they're quoting somebody else's song. And they're saying, when I first heard Hank Williams' song, Here, That Lonesome Whippoorwill, It Sounds Too Blue to Fly, The Midnight Train is Wide and Low, I'm So Lonesome. I could cry. I said, oh. Well, my wife Janice thinks it's the saddest song ever written. Huh. And she she may be right. Yeah. She just may very well be. She, well, I know she's right. She's right about everything. It, Sorry, but, I forgot. I'm a husband. <laughs> but you know <laughs> what? Right and, 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 and so what is the saddest song that's ever written? If. If the psychologists are right, and if what we read in the in, in, in you know in the paper is true, the amount of suicides and the people who are experiencing depression, and maybe this has this has happened all the way along, and we just haven't discussed it. But brother, loneliness is not going away, my friend. I'm sorry to no, tell you that loneliness. No, Loneliness is part of life, and and Hank Williams was just a a what I call country smart, no formal education at all, but in his heart, he knew how to describe not just the working man, not just the yeah. blue collar worker, but man, he got into the heart of the professionals and the people who thought they were pretty bright, until they came face to face with loss. Sure. It's whether it's a loss of a of a loved one or loss of a mate, loss of a marriage, loss of a job. We all deal with losses. And the Ken Burns uh, uh, special that was just on public television. Of the Amazing. Gloria and I sat and watched all 16 hours of it, and we were in awe of the country writer. Pretty good stuff, huh? It's pretty good stuff. And I've even said this. I think the country writer writes gospel better than the gospel <laughs> songwriter because he looks through another window. Uh, that that song, they baptized Jesse Taylor in Cedar Hello. Creek. Is that a brilliant yeah. gospel song? But it's told sure. in language you can understand it. Now Jimmy's got a daddy. And yeah. and and, uh, and he's also got a family, and Franklin County's got a yeah. lot more lot man. More man. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, I, uh, I I've loved great songs uh, all my life. When I would hear uh, James Blackwood and those, uh, you know, and R. W. Blackwood, you know, they were my first heroes. I mean, I had to stay home from school, Bill, for mm. two days. When I found out about R.W. Blackwood and Bill Lyles being killed in that plane crash, plane crash. Yeah. I was just a little boy, and I it absolutely broke my heart. They were my heroes because at that young age, uh, I heard R.W. Blackwood 
sing this lyric. Kings wear robes of gold and velvet. Soon their beauty is decayed. But the king of kings forever wore a homespun robe that day. His robe, his robe, the robe of Calvary, was worn by my Redeemer, who lives it. It was woven by his mother. <laughs> Precious faith in every thread. He who wore it lives forever. He has risen from the dead. As a six-year-old boy in Abilene, Texas, that lyric grabbed me, and I got it. And it's lyrics like that. It's like James Blackwood singing, I want to be more, more like Jesus. It's Jake Hess singing, prayer is the key to heaven, but faith unlocks the door. Those words. Uh, from, and I loved baseball. I loved to play football. Uh, I, I wrote a song one time. Uh, uh, the, fir- uh, the first time I fell in love, I fell in love with Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> I was home from church, had the flu on Sunday night. She was on Ed Sullivan show. <laughs> and the first time I ever had my heart broken was when I found out she married Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> the third time I fell in love, I fell in love with Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> the second time I fell in love, I fell in love with Erica Brown. <laughs> and then my heart was broken when we happened to leave Abilene Town. I was, you know, looking back on that. Of course, I wrote that when I was 50, three years ago. But the words, the things that I still remember from Abilene. I drove by the old place where the old Fair Park Auditorium used to be, where I first heard those guys sing. So, and, you know, they had those tall collared shirts on, you know, like stars. They look like 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 somebody did it. Yeah, and I've got on one right now, two-inch collar with that little... uh, collar pen. I had an old boy one night at, I was at Punch Salzburger, you know, the guy who owns the, the Salzburgers on the uh, New York Times. Yeah. And I was over at the Dakota, the most famous apartment building in the world. And I was up there and I had my suit on and this little collar pen. You know, I, I was looking good. And this guy who had had a little too much to drink, he wandered over and he said, you're the only blankety blank in here wearing one of those little collar pins. <laughs> I said, well, <clears throat> I'm the only one in here who sung at Carnegie Hall, slept in the White House, played Augusta National, and flown in Air Force One. You got anything else you want to talk to me about? <laughs> <clears throat> so, All because of the be collar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> words can come to your defense. They can get you in trouble, but I love words. <laughs> I love words. You know what? This shows my ADD, but when I think about about those high collars, I have come to the conclusion, because I want to do the same thing, I think the reason we all wear high collars is this. Necks, especially on men, are just ugly, ugly part of the anatomy. <laughs> And, they really are, and so as much yeah. of as much as, now, if there's a song in that too, is it cover up? Cover, yeah. I guess, cover your neck. I don't know. <laughs> can't get rid of, can't get rid of turkey neck. You just can't do it. Can't get rid of turkey neck. You just can't do it. Wear a hot collar. That's all there is to it. Can't get turkey neck. You know, I mean, we could write that in about five minutes. Yeah, yeah turkey. That goozle, that, that yeah. thing you got down there. Uh, you know. 
That's what, you know, that's what Mia did that time. She sat on my lap. She was flipping that thing, you know, that little, <laughs> and she said, Grandpa. And she was flipping that piece of skin that looks like the turkey. Yeah. And she said, did God make you? And I said, yeah, yeah, he did. He said, did God make me? And I said, yeah. She said, he's doing a better job these days. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we They will. So, so they we, will tell the, out of the mouths of babes. Speaking of writers, you were blessed in the early days when you came into Nashville, my lands, to bump into a Chris Christofferson and a Roger Miller. And now, I don't envy people much about about their lives, but but to hang around, uh, you talk about some brilliant minds and crazy minds, but but right. but but just brilliant, brilliant stuff. It was interesting in the Ken Burns special. Of course, Chris had written so many, many country hits, but he says the song he has to sing every night is "Why Me, Lord? What have oh, I Lord. ever done to deserve? Please help me, Jesus. I wasted it. So help me, Jesus. I know I know what I am. I tell people often on a given night to say, "What's your favorite?" you know, gospel song. And they think I'm going to say something I've written or an old hymn. And I, there are a lot of old hymns that could go in that category. But many times, if you're talking about a gospel tune, I think one of the most honest pieces of theology I've run across is, please help me, Jesus. I've wasted it, so help me, Jesus. I know what I am. Now that I know that I needed you, so help me, Jesus. My soul's in his hand. This podcast is being sponsored by the folks at Game Show Network. Game Show Network is dedicated to creating family-friendly, fun programming that's right for everyone. They've got great shows morning, noon, and night, and their afternoon block of original programs from 4 to 8 are the kinds of play-along, laugh-along shows that you can watch no matter who is in the room. Great to share with your kids or your grandkids. It's the kind of entertainment that will have everyone shouting their answers along with the television as they all watch the same screen. And these days, we know it's tough to get everyone to agree on, well, just about anything. If you're looking for entertainment that the whole family can enjoy together, the answer is Game Show Network. Two people went into the temple to pray, and one was as arrogant as he could be, saying, I'm so glad I'm not like that poor, poor yep. soul. And the other guy said, help me, Jesus. Now, which one do you think God, uh, which prayer do you think God heard first? Yeah, so. Well, I think, uh, I tell you, he heard that other one, he just didn't answer it. <laughs> <laughs> or if he did, he said no. He said yes to the supplicant whose heart was on the line. Yeah. You know, there's an idea of what would you do when your heart is on the line. Well, I've told Chris, you know, uh, and I do not make, mean this to, to make this about me, but it's about how songs, how things do. You know, he had come to church that morning. Connie Smith brought him to church uh, out there at Evangel Temple. And the pastor, Jimmy uh, Jimmy uh, Snow, had me sing, Help Me. I know. And Chris, Chris did not grow up in church. Chris didn't know about the things of the church. He didn't know about getting saved. 
He didn't know about baptism in the Holy Spirit. He didn't know about forgiveness of sins and some of the, you know, the ecumenical the, the, the steps. Yeah. He didn't know the steps to salvation. He didn't know the Roman road, yeah. uh, you know, of Paul and all that. Yeah. But he heard the little song, and the Spirit of God used that little song of mine. And I am grateful, because out of that, on his way home that day, he wrote, Why Me, Lord? He and Connie Smith came to the house. We learned it that afternoon and sang it on the Grand Ole Opry yeah. Friday night. And I tell people, and I mean it, uh, I've had people talk about my little song, Help Me, that it helped me, it helped them, and it blessed them. Whatever little part it had in that uh, spiritual awakening, that epiphany that Chris had that morning, and whatever little part it had in him writing, Lord, help me, Jesus. That is the cry of a heart that has been broken and doesn't know where else to turn. You know, Jimmy Snow said, do, do you want to get saved? And Chris said, well, blank. I don't know. <laughs> you know he, didn't, he didn't know the verbiage his heart did. That his heart knew the language. His mouth, it, for all of his brilliance, you know, I have seen the morning burning golden on the mountain in the skies. My favorite, see him wasted on the sidewalk in his jacket and his jeans, wearing yesterday's misfortune like a smile. I mean, holy cow. Yeah, that, what, that's just, yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah. But he didn't have, out of his intellect, the Rhodes Scholar, the, the Blake, the William Blake expert scholar, yeah. didn't have the words, you know, when Jimmy Snow asked him about well, he had the words later that day because he listened to his heart. And just uh, One of my favorite, uh, to speak of right, Ernest Hemingway said what he did when he writes, he said, I sit down at my typewriter and bleed. <laughs> so that's what Chris did with Why Me, Lord. He just bled and wept, and it all, you know, came out that incredible piece of art. You can say what you please, uh, and, and, and we talk about uh, depression, bipolar, and, and all of that. But without the highs and the lows in a human being's life, there probably would not have been any poetry or any songs. And so I say to folks who are going through stuff, I talked to Terry Bradshaw because he, he's gone public on this and has written a book on depression. He said, I, you know, I could win the Super Bowl on Sunday and Tuesday night. I'd be depressed out of my skull. He said, it's just like a cloud that moved. And the only Terry we know on TV is the happy, happy Terry. I just loving life and all of that. And that's good. And the reason he can feel the highs in his life he also knows where the lows are. So it's it's really interesting for a person that says, I want to be a writer. I want to be a poet. Sometimes I feel like saying, are you sure you want yeah. to pay the price? <laughs> yeah, the morning might not be worth the midnight all the time. You know? Well, Bill, there's a, a wonderful uh, songwriter, singer, uh, a, a wonderful young woman in Nashville. Uh, she sings. She writes. She looks like Marilyn Monroe. She has that thing on stage that you can't teach. And you can't overdub you know, it. You can't overdub it. You can't overdub. <laughs> yeah, you can't overdub the feel, as they say. You yeah. know, that drum feel. If it's if it's right, I mean, you can put steel guitar and strings and the Mormon Tabernacle Choir on it, but you can't. 
if it doesn't have that groove. Well, she was kind of bearing her soul to me one night a couple of months ago. She did the uh, Opry with me. You know, I said, well, what do you want? She said, I want to pay my rent. <laughs> I said, I said, go write that. <laughs> I said, go write that. She said, well, Nashville has just turned its back on me. I've done it. You know, she's very, uh, the record company dropped her. Yeah. And she was thinking about leaving town. I said, girl, use Nashville. And the fact that it's, you believe it's closed its doors, that it hasn't treated you right, that they won't let you in. I have felt the same thing. I said, use that as your whetstone. Use that as Motiva- a sharpener. Motivation. You know, absolutely. Hone your work against them and against that uh, rejection and against those feelings. Uh, you know, she told me one time, she said, well, I'm thinking about calling my mama see if she'll give me enough money for a bus ride home. Ooh. I said, go write that! <laughs> go write that! <laughs> mama, can I have enough money for a bus ride home? <laughs> oh. You know, well, and, it, it, she probably ought to go talk to Willie Nelson because uh, what a story. You know, came to Nashville when he was young in a three-piece suit and uh, yep. and, and tie and vest and everything. And probably, I don't think he could get arrested, Harley. So he went back to Texas, grew his hair long, put it in a pig uh, a ponytail, <laughs> put a hat on, and said, "I'm going." And I'm, recorded a song that he didn't write, "Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain." It's been one of the biggest records in the history of the world. <laughs> you know what? There's something else. I think God is working through it all in all that we do. I think all inspiration comes from God. I really believe that. And and I just believe that's the reason the writers are so sensitive to, I'm, I'm talking about secular writers. Uh, there isn't anything as scary. I I have said this and I hope I hope it's true, but that didn't, hasn't stopped me in the past, but I should check my facts. But is it true that Irving Ber- Berlin had three or four years where he went dry and couldn't write? It, uh, you know where I'm going with this, Larry? He I'm had, gonna let you finish it. Okay, he had three years where he hadn't written a thing and thought that I don't know. I don't know where he used these words that God had left him because I think every creator thinks that there is another force that's happening in their lives. So I don't know whether he, he would use that word or not, but he was blank and he was dry and he thought he was done. And then he happened to write two more songs. One was called White Christmas, and the other was called God, God Bless America. God Bless America. Well, yeah, I hope I drive up for three years and go do that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, uh, here's what I call writer's block. Writer's block for me means I've got a, a tea time on the first tee box, and I'm going to go play golf. Yeah. I do not make a job of this. I never have. I do not plan when I'm going to write, <clears throat> I bring my Palomino Blackwing 602 pencils with me and a yeah. sharpener and, and, and pieces of white paper in the airport. Uh, I, I wrote this number on the back of it with one uh, to call you today. Uh, and if the, if the mood hits me and I see something or hear something, I will do it. But I love it and honor it too much for it to become a drudgery. Um, it's just, it's, it's not going to do that. Uh, and I wrote a song not long ago. I said, uh, I, I wondered if, oh, I can't remember the first line. I said, 
I wondered if I was important anymore. Nobody wanted to hear my homemade songs. Uh, da 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 da. Anyway, it, it hurt. So I'll sing my song for you. You're the one who gave the song. God said, "Sing, sing my song. Sing your song to me, because I'd love to sing along." That was my deal. If nobody hears them, if all I do is sing them out loud to uh, that great God who gave them, uh, well, he. God wrote the good ones. I wrote the bad ones all by myself. <laughs> you, you, you know, the bad ones have no co-writer. You know, uh, one of my favorite movies is uh, Immortal Beloved about Beethoven's oh, uh, life. God. And I love the line when his nephew talks about him in his old age. He had lost his hearing. Larry, I can't imagine a musician not being able to hear what he is writing, especially the brilliance of a Beethoven. And he lost his hearing, and very difficult to get along with. And a lot, a lot of people in the village called him a madman, you know, because he's yeah. cra- crazy yeah, character. Crazy. And his nephew, somebody said, "How is Ludwig doing?" And he says, "Oh, I don't know. He he sits around with this crazy melody that he just keeps repeating and says <laughs> he's got to write him." Da ba 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 ba. I was in a, a, a beer joint. I know you don't believe that. Uh, I worked. I worked. Yes, Mildred, I've been in beer joints. Mm. Deal with it. Uh, years ago, I went, before I ever left University of Houston, I was a I, I sang in the bar at Steak and Ale. Yeah. And, and one night, this guy, I was singing in there, and this, bless his heart, he'd been overserved, and he was kind of asleep on the bar. <clears throat> and every five minutes, he'd, he'd wake up, kind of, and he looked at me, and he'd say, he hollered out, Sing El Paso! I said, Sir, I don't know El Paso. I'm sorry. And I'd sing another song. Well, five minutes later, he'd wake up. He did it about three times. Sing El Paso. I said, sir, it's five minutes long. Got a lot of guitar parts. I don't know. I, I don't know El Paso. So he went to sleep again. He woke up one more time. He said, sing El Paso. I said, sir, we've covered this. I don't know El Paso. He said, well, sing the Ninth Symphony. And I went, it is the God's truth. It but, is the God's truth. Now, what in the world, you know, how, why would a guy in a bar not know El Paso and know the Ninth Symphony? It's my favorite, the Choral Symphony. I like it even better than the Fifth. You know something, um, but it's interesting to me that here, here he is at the end of his life, probably pretty close to it. And uh, back to the question, if I were to die tomorrow, would it make any difference? Would anybody care? Do I matter? Do, is, is what I do important? And the point is, yes, it's very important. Yeah. And, I, and I guess the one prayer I keep praying is, God, keep me awake until I die. I, uh, I mean, I just, and, and, and I know we don't all have that choice, but as much as I can push this crazy thing, and you and I are, are, not, are, are not young kids anymore, 
But when we get well, together, one, one of us is. Yeah, one of, but when we do get together, and you get your guitar, and I play what I can still play on uh, on the piano, and something gels. You know, Henry Slaughter had had dropped me a note and said, "Thank you, Bill, for doing something." Uh, you were very kind. I did an article on him. He said, you were very kind. I wasn't that good. I played in the band, wrote a couple songs, and I mm-hmm. sang in the choir. And I told you, I said, Larry, we have got to write a song on, 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 on this. And I played in the band, sang in the choir, wrote a few songs that gave people hope. And every now and then, I started to fire. When they asked me up there, what'd you do down there? I told him it was my heartfelt desire to play in the band, write a few songs. Write a few songs. And sing in the choir. Sing I, ca- in the choir. I called Henry and I said, Henry, you and I, and Henry's now 92. I said, we've never written a song together, but you and Larry Gatlin and I are going to have our name on a song that I hope people are singing when we're all gone. And that's, that's where songs come from. That's where Me songs. too. Yeah. Me too. Well, I tell people, you know, when I'm doing master classes, it's all right. I tell them, if you want to write, read. If you want to write, listen. If you want to write, think. If you want to write, feel. If you want to write, write. If you really want to write, erase it and rewrite. <laughs> you know, have the courage to, to do that. But your feelings, feelings are facts. I tell them. Yeah. Feelings are facts. Write about that, you know. And I, and I want to say this carefully, back to your eraser business. That is so, so important. And I don't want to minimize the fact when somebody said, God gave me this song, uh, because I think all inspiration comes from God. But I've been t- tempted sometime to say, and I've been kind, because you, you just don't want to hurt, especially a young young songwriter, but you, but sometimes I feel in my heart, I think God gave you the inspiration for that song. He did his part, but you did not do your part, and the eraser was part of it. The first yeah. thing, the first idea you had, you should have probably taken the eraser, erased that, find a better word, find a better melody. Melodies are so important. I'll never, and, and here, my ADD is kicking in. I'll never forget the story of Lawrence Welt taking a new singer to see his palace. Uh, where was he from, Dakota or somewhere up there? It, yeah. It, yeah. To see his big, big house. And he told the young kid, he says, see what happens when you stay with the melody. <laughs> <laughs> Three chords in the truth. Three chords. Oh, well, I, I believe that. I really do. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I have that, that deal. I believe that God is the inspiration for my stuff, uh, for our songs. Uh, I, I think that he wants us to do our part. He, A friend of mine told me one time, I, I, he said, why do you get so mad on the golf course? I said, well, I just do. I want, I just, I said, you know, I cuss sometimes. I just, I shouldn't say to anybody get so mad. He said, take God out there to play golf with you today. He said, you're the only way God has to play golf today. So go out there and take him with you. Yeah. Uh, and it's the same thing with the songs. I, I believe that he does give that inspiration, but he doesn't, you know, and, and we're getting off in the weeds a little bit, but I believe he gives us the, the good sense. Your first impressions, yeah. put that down, yeah. and then have the courage to say, 
with the talent he gave me, yeah. can I listen a little longer and see if he gives me something else? Yeah, do, do something about it. Let's end this up. Speaking of the golf course and thinking, of, uh, speaking about forgiveness, is it interesting to you, Larry? From the from the beginning, with gospel writers and singers, they, they they're always hoping they can cross over into the to the pop world and the pop music. And uh, unlike other world religions, uh, the Christian faith has produced a lot of art, and not only art. Uh, just for art's sake, but art that goes beyond uh, the music, art that that makes faith statements. There's no stronger faith statement going than Handel's "He shall reign forever mm, and mm, ever." Mm. Hallelujah, hallelujah! I mean, those are strong. Those are strong faith statements. But after I say that, it seems like the songs that cross over the most are prayers, the Lord's Prayer. Sure. Uh, please help me, Jesus. I've, I've, you know, I wasted. Go rest high, go rest high on the mountain. Precious. Lord, help me walk another mile. I mean, I'll throw that one in there. Absolutely. I, I, I was sitting in the floor. I was in Dottie West's bus. We yeah. we were on tour. I was on tour with Dottie, and everybody told me I was going to be a big star. And I'd been in Nashville for six months, and it hadn't happened yet. And boy, I was upset. <laughs> yeah, was I was sure. sad. Sure. Lord, help me walk. Yeah. Well, well I, and, I, I and, 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 inspiration. Uh, and probably one of the greatest prayer songs I've written by Thomas Dorsey, Precious Lord, take my hand, uh, let me stand. Absolutely. Larry, well, Larry we, uh, it, it's always a joy to talk with you, and I wanted to use this time to talk about the gas that makes uh, people like us get up in the morning and say, hey, this day is going to be good one way or the other, expressing highs or expressing lows, but it's really part of life. Okay, I want to use the eraser on you, okay? Okay, good. Let's don't call it the gas. Let's call it the fuel. The fuel. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people think we're full of gas anyway. <laughs> Larry, it's been a joy to talk to you uh, today. I love you, my friend. I love you. I love Miss Gloria. Uh, I love the, the children of God. I am grateful. My brothers and I are greatly blessed. Uh, I'm leaving here. I have a rehearsal uh, a, a block from here, a little place called Carnegie Hall for a performance tonight in New York. So uh, for, for you know, oil field trash from West yeah. Texas, uh, we've been very blessed. You have a good day. You have a good day, you my too. friend. God bless. Love you, Bill. Love you, Bye-bye. too. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of more than the music. For details on the Gaither Vocal Band tour dates, the latest Gaither music releases, and much more, visit us online at gaither.com. This is Bill Gaither signing off until the next edition of More Than the Music.